There's about £75 million, and we'd like to have some of that money um, because I have several ideas for the arts in Mansfield, not least of which being a Mansfield Town Film Festival. Well, it's not in the north, and it's not in the south. In fact, it's bang in the middle. I said, hey, you. Mansfield is a town in North Nottinghamshire. Hello and welcome again to Mansfield is a town in North Nottinghamshire, the podcast about Mansfield. And for the avoidance of all doubt, we put it in the show title that we're talking specifically about the Mansfield that's a town in North Nottinghamshire, not Mansfield the town in Victoria, Australia, not Mansfield the city in Texas, USA, etc, etc. The focus of this podcast series is Mansfield's past. It's an ex-mining town, don't you know, but lots of other things have happened here too and its many possible futures. We're making these programmes at a moment of regeneration for the town and we're asking one big question. What does the future hold for Mansfield? Funding is coming in, promises are being made, money is being spent, but what's actually going to result from all of that? So this episode is once again presented by me, Robert Shaw, and hurrah, my mum. Say hello, mum. Hello, mum. That's our bit of trademark patter, by the way. We're going to be doing it every time, so be warned. The question we want to address in this episode is, could Mansfield be the new Hollywood? Old Hollywood has been in decline for decades, and after the unpleasantness at the Oscars the other week, they're sure to be looking for a new venue for their glitzy award show next year. Why not in Mansfield? There is a resurgence, or maybe drop the re, just a surgence of filmmaking going on here at the moment. Well, what do you think of Mansfield as the new Hollywood? Oh, I couldn't find a better place. I'm sure it would be excellent. Very good. OK, and we will, of course, if we're going to be presenting the Oscars, you and I, we will need our Hollywood smiles. How are your teeth looking at the moment? Well, I've got one missing, but that might be good. You're looking for a new dentist, actually, aren't you? I am searching. OK, so if anybody's got any ideas, If anybody's can... got any spare teeth... Or send in an email with or a with a recommendation email. about a, a good dentist. So a good dentist. Okay, don't repeat everything I say, will you? No. Good. So we're very lucky to have two great guests today. In a little while, I'll be talking to Jay Martin, a young filmmaker from Mansfield. He's just put out his documentary, Red to Blue, which is about the moment Mansfield elected its first non-Labour MP in nearly a century. It's also about the decline of the pits. Jay has some really interesting plans to bring a film festival and a general uh, renewed cultural vibrancy to the town. He's worth a listen. But first, have you noticed the way that Mansfield is coming to dominate the small screen at the moment? Mansfield and its environs are becoming almost fashionable as a TV setting. Not quite at the Only Way as Essex or Geordie Shaw level, but getting there. And I've been talking to Lucy Brower, who is an architectural historian and tour guide, as well as our appointed TV watcher, about this phenomenon. I began by asking her about Landscapers, a drama based on real-life events, a rather grisly double murder, that took place in Forest Town and made the headlines some years later when the bodies were finally discovered. 
It has a very starry cast, Olivia Colman and David Thewlis take the lead roles, and, as I started by saying to Lucy, as all good dramas about Mansfield should, it begins in Paris. Yes, that's right. They, the couple had left the country uh, and were kind of happily, well, happily, unhappily living uh, kind of uh, away from what they'd uh, been part of. And um, a series of events means that the police get to know where they are and they, they, get, they come back to uh, England and it sort of starts to unravel and the story starts to be told from various different angles at that point. Uh, but um, as it unfolds and as the police try to get to the bottom of what had happened several years previously, uh, there's various uh, scenes where the police are in Mansfield or Nottingham. And there's one really nice scene where the two sort of main police investigators are having some chips in their car and you sort of get the wide shot and they're in the car park near the viaduct in Mansfield and the viaduct in Mansfield is huge and uh, doesn't get the recognition it deserves really as a structure. And it's all lit up uh, underneath. It's It's been really nicely illuminated in the last few years. And the way the shot is framed just makes it look really great, the color of it and everything. And it really stood out to me because it's not something a lot of the rest of it. It could have been anywhere that the house in Forest Town doesn't necessarily look particularly local, it's sort of housing estate, so it doesn't look particularly distinctive. And a lot of the uh, film is in London or in studios yeah. that so meant to realise are... our studios. Yeah, the locations are, there are a few Paris, locations. London and Mansfield, is that right? Yeah, Paris, London, Mansfield. There's a little shot That's... of Nottingham Canal as well. And then a lot of a lot of it, you wouldn't necessarily notice the location first. Do we get any accents? Uh, the police certainly, um, one or two of them have, have got good Nottingham accents. And, uh, you, you know, you'd, you'd probably pick that out. I mean, beyond that, there is there is a kind of, with drama, quite often the East Midlands being quite a tricky accent to put your finger on if you're not from here. And also having quite a lot of variation within the area. I know, it, which you only really notice if you're local. You tend to get people who are just gen generically northern uh, doing yeah. <laughs> doing the East Midlands accent, but it's not it's not too bad. The two main characters don't have a local accent because they're meant to have come from Essex, I think. So, so Olivia uh, Coleman yeah. doesn't do a accent. No, it's a shame because yeah. I would have liked to have heard a order a chip cob, but it doesn't happen. Uh, oh well, so it's not the only programme on TV about Mansfield or Mansfield and the wider area. Um, at the moment, there's um, also a sitcom, I believe, called Newark, Newark, like New York, New York. And, you know, if in landscapers we've got Paris, London, Mansfield, where New York should be now, Newark, Newark is like a claim on, you know, does it look a lot like uh, New York in, in the No, program? I think um, yeah. it's, it's an, a sitcom uh, by a comedian called Nathan Fode, who grew up in Newark. And it seems to be, I've seen the first couple of episodes, it seems to be based on, very loosely, on maybe his growing up there and living there as a teenager. So one thing I noticed about Newark, Newark, was the opening credit sequence, the sort of title sequence. And they very quickly established a sense of where you are. So even if you've never been there or you've never heard of the place, you would quite quickly get a sense of it being a market town. 
it's got a slightly quirky character. One of the shots is someone uh, riding a pony and trap down the street. Uh, and if you did know Newark already, you'd get a sense of this, this strange mixture that it kind of is partly working class market town, partly um, kind of, I, I always think of Newark as being quite posh. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's the antiques mm. fair. Uh, but, um, you know, it's that kind of split personality that the place has got a little bit. And it just, it was quickly quite established. And it made me think if you were going to do a sitcom set in Mansfield, for instance, how would you establish that sense of place quite so quickly? Because with comedy, you've got to have that, haven't you? You've got to kind of know where you are so that the jokes can make sense. You, yeah, so what would you do? How would we what would you that? do? I'm not really sure. I don't know. This is the thing. Mansfield's identity seems to be quite rooted in its industries, but it doesn't have them quite so much anymore. So maybe maybe the sitcom would have to be a period piece to some extent Second to get that bit. fish out of water, um, get that fish out of water vibe that you, you kind of need for, for a sitcom. You quite often need that. People who are slightly out of whether, you know, they're not quite in the right element, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. What would you <laughs> what would you put in the credit sequence? What are the most recognizably Mansfield things. Well, as you've said, yeah, there's, uh, there's the viaduct. You've got to have the yeah. viaduct in there. Uh, clips the the headstocks. Yeah, the headstocks. Um, which is not quite Mansfield, of course. Not but... quite, but it, it's still a very distinctive thing. And you know where you are when you see that. You know, you know you're in the coal field. The sort um, of boarded up um, side of, uh, of uh, field mills. I think I've put that <laughs> in. Um, field mill generally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a difficult one. Marketplace, probably. Yeah. And so, is it worth watching New York? New York? Um, I you quite enjoyed. It? I quite enjoyed the first couple. It's quite broad. Um, I was quite impressed that Morgana Robinson manages to sound just about local. She's somebody who does a lot of accents, and she's she's kind of manages to look like a middle aged lady who works in a chip shop, which is pretty impressive uh, when you've seen her glammed up that she could do that. Um, I think it's got it's got potential to show a sort of experience that you don't often see on TV. I think they're aiming to sort of go for a working class experience, um, you know, that's that's not all about everybody suffering all the time. You know, I think it's it's kind of about people having quite a nice life and kind of just dealing with the problems that hit them. You know, it's kind of a, about that odd community that you, you can end up with. Um, I think it's probably wider than just being Newark, but the the little little touches, like everyone calling everybody mush, <laughs> which is is a very Newark. You know, it's not not like Doc. It's it, it's very very specific to quite a small place, and I think that uh, tells you something about the East Midlands in general. Is that it's it's not one place. It's lots of little places that are close together that each have their own little quirks. Yeah, and then finally, then I thought we should talk about. Um, now we've got we've got a a very uh, famous, celebrated uh, local playwright called James Graham, who's written all sorts of very popular, very successful plays about um, politics, and also wrote a Quiz. Uh, oh yes, um, which is based on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire coughing incident. Um, and uh, he's written 
a drama called Sherwood, um, which is going to, um, which is set in a in a mining village, apparently, um, and also features a, a double murder. I think um, so. Obviously, those, those are ingredients. It's um, pits and murder, the two things murder. you've got to have if you make an East Midlands set drama, definitely. And so in this one, though, we're going to have David Morrissey, I think, and Leslie Manville, um, oh. which is quite exciting. I, I, do, I do look forward to uh, hearing whether they perfect the accent of Newstead Village and the outskirts of Kirkby, which I think is where it's set. Uh, so, you know, it would be interesting to see. Uh, it's, it's always something that's, that's quite good to watch. Uh, dramas that are set in this area to see if if people can 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 hear the difference because quite often you get people from Sheffield say and it's a bit of overlap but it's not quite the same you quite often you get Mancunians well what you're listening out for I suppose you've got to get the the vowels right um Midok you know it's quite it's quite I mean, and it's not the same as Nottingham City, is it? Because that's the softer sort of accent. The Vicky McClure kind of accent, counter, it's a bit softer. I don't know, I can always hear a slight difference in, in, in city people, South Knots people. Um, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see if it's consistent across, across all the actors that are in it. You know, you should be bidding for work as a dialect coach. <laughs> I, mean, you know, you've got... I don't know, my <laughs> accent bounces all over the place, to be honest, so it's, it's a difficult one. So what sort of programme should be made about Mansfield? Do you think, I mean, you know, what would be a new departure for Mansfield? Because, okay, so we've got, we've got landscapers here, so it touches on, you know, again, it's about murders, essentially, mm. and mm. Sherwood, pits and murders. Um, I was talking what, what about would open this. things up? I was talking about this with a friend. If you were talking about making a comedy or, or you know, a drama or a dramedy as a horrible combination. Um, yeah. It's a comedy, but it's an hour long and you don't laugh as much. That's what that means. Um, maybe something that was set maybe a little bit in the past, maybe the 60s, 70s in a Mansfield where the community is still quite strong through everyone having employment uh, a friend of mine who does a lot of history was talking about the fact that it's not unusual or wasn't unusual in this area for for women to have jobs uh when when maybe it was a little bit more unusual elsewhere because of the textile industry and um it was quite a booming not booming but there was there was quite a successful employment rate and quite a, a successful town uh, in the sort of 60s, 70s. And maybe you could follow someone through that to later on when, when these industries stop um, being the heart of the town in, in quite the same way. And maybe then you can have the fish out of water thing of, of the man who's lost his job trying to, to pick up something new, you know, because, because kind of mining and that job is so, so central to, to how people think of themselves or how they used to think of themselves to, to be dropped into, you know, the change of, of that happening might be, might be something quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I yeah. yeah I'd, I've taken all the humor out of that by describing <laughs> it, but um, yeah. Uh, I mean, failing that, I think, I think something that really looked into the history of the place would be interesting. Uh, a, do a documentary that, 
that wasn't just about the miners' strike, because that is kind of the only thing you ever hear about. It would be nice to hear about, you know, what happened before that. How did how did that make a community work uh, around here? Because that's obviously one of the, the very strong things that you think of when you think of Nottinghamshire is the coal field and also the textile industry and and, and various things that kind of kept everyone kind of self-contained in a way and that's quite unusual and it's something that's kind of gone and uh, when you talk to younger people they don't really realize how important that was to the way that the town operated so something that really delved into the social history might be quite good uh, if you got the angle right you know so that was lucy brower who's been watching tv for us now then mum you've been to newark a few times haven't you yes has anyone there ever called you mush no, and if they had have done, I would have given one in the mush. Because that's how we thought of the word. Mush. It was your mush. Your mouth. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, on uh, on the subject of sitcoms, is there anywhere you've ever worked, apart from the pit, uh, that you think would make a good setting for a sitcom? Yeah, I think actually probably the Meals on Wheels would. Because you had a crowd of us, or a few ladies, who worked in the kitchens. You had all the drivers who went out to uh, to all of these old people. They went out to loads and loads of characters and brought loads of lovely stories back. Were they all lovely stories? Well, they were interesting. They were interesting <laughs> stories, OK. So you've got this great cast of characters. Yes. And, and, okay. and I think that we learned a lot and I, I found it. I found it a very interesting life. OK, and so it's ladies only, though, is it? Just a... No, no, we had men drivers. And we had a caretaker in the kitchen. We had the uh, the last, um, uh, what would you call him? A, a last, he was a state hangman, was he? What do you call it? He was a state executioner. He was a state yeah, executioner. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was the hangman, and uh, he. Um, and was that when you saw his CV? Was that what attracted you to to giving him a job? Or no, I didn't give him the job. He was given to me because he was already been been employed. I see. Okay. And uh, when I met him, he 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 told me he'd been the hangman, and I found it very interesting. In fact, when we went into the freezers, he um, he really showed me how how high I would have to be to be hung in the freezer, which was quite interesting, really. But he had a beautiful singing voice, beautiful singing voice. When we used to finish the day, he and we were packing up, ready for the following day. You sing to us, and it was very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, and of course, when Sid um, went on holiday in the summer, I used to fill in for you him. You certainly didn't did, and I wasn't half as much fun, was no, I? No, you weren't, because you you had got no nothing interesting in your life. You hadn't been a hangman, not at that point, and no. you couldn't sing either. N no, that's true. <laughs> anyway, that's quite enough of that. It's now time for our second interviewee, um, and he is a twenty-three-year-old filmmaker uh, named Jay Martin, and I am backing him to become the Mansfield Scorsese. So, Jay Martin, um, thank you very much for your time today. Um, you are, um, I'm not sure I know many, uh, indeed I'm not sure I know any, a young filmmaker from Mansfield. So can you tell us something about your background growing up in Mansfield and, and how you came to be a filmmaker? Yeah, so born and bred here in Mansfield, lived here uh, all of my life. 
and I went and went to school at the Brunts Academy in uh, Mansfield, and it was there that I started to begin to uh, begin to develop this interest in storytelling. I suppose at first, that then developed into filmmaking. Ultimately, I had a teacher there called Miss Roberts, Barbara Roberts, who isn't there anymore. Um, she was my English teacher, literature and language, and she was such an inspirational teacher, you know, she's just one of those people, like you hear about in the films, you know, that really sort of clicked with me, and, and me and her had sort of various conversations about writing and storytelling, and how much I enjoyed that side of, of things, and when it came time to leave secondary school, I started to think about what I wanted to go on to, and me and her began to talk about Confetti College, which was a specialist sort of media college down in Nottingham, where they do games design and filmmaking and music and anything artistic you can think of, really. And uh, Barbara really pushed me to go and sort of try and pursue that dream, you know. Um, being a filmmaker isn't necessarily the number one job vacancy here in Mansfield, admittedly. I think I am one of the only ones, if not the only one, um, still living and working here at the minute. Now, red to blue. You know, it's making a bit of a splash in Mansfield. So Red to Blue is the story of the election of Mansfield's first ever uh, Conservative MP and also really reflections on the loss of mining culture. Now, your age at the moment is you are quite 23. Young. You are 23. Yeah. Now, um, so when I was growing up, the miners' strike was, was on. So I was very aware and you know, also I came from a, a mining family. So I was very aware of the mining backdrop. Um, you know, having been born on the cusp of the 21st century, what was your sort of uh, connection with, with that version of Mansfield when you were growing up? You know, the Mansfield, the Mansfield as a mining town. Yeah, well, it was, re- it, it, it was really not a factor at the time that I was born. You know, in 98, all that I knew of the mines were the sort of skeleton of the Clipston headstocks, right? And other pits in the area, you know. Um, you obviously grow up knowing that Mansfield used to be a pit town and used to be quite a wealthy and uh, successful area. Um, But then as I sort of got older, you know, and began to learn more about the politics of the area and that history and sort of began to delve into it, I learned a lot more about it. Obviously, I'm coming at it from the angle of the the sort of memories of, of a forgotten time, I suppose you could say. You know, I'm coming at it from someone who's 23 years old, who obviously didn't work down the mines. Um, My family has no connection at all to mine working, um, despite, you know, living in Mansfield. Um, So I was really coming at it from that sort of outside perspective, hence why in the film, I leave it up to the interviewees to talk about what it was like back then. You know, guys like Mick Newton, Coalfield campaigner, and Lee Anderson, uh, now Conservative MP for Ashfield, who worked down the pits, you know, and I sort of let them ruminate on on their memories and the history of that turbulent time, you know, during the 70s and the 80s, uh, you know, the strikes and, and what Mansfield was really like um, back then, I suppose. So it's one of those things where you always grow up knowing the history to a certain extent, but obviously there's a lot of research involved in a film like Red to Blow sort of delving into that history as well as the change in politics uh, in the area and how that impacted, you know, this huge political shift that we underwent in 2017. Yeah, so when you were doing the, uh, the interviews for the film, um, and I really mm. enjoyed the film um, and recommend everybody to watch it, um, 
did you was there a moment at which you thought oh there are some quite strong emotions around this subject still you know if you'd grown up not particularly thinking of it in those terms yeah well i think you you know you know the impact when you you know because i've got an interest in in politics anyway as you might assume having made a political documentary so you know a little bit about the attitudes towards figures like thatcher and scargill and skinner and tony ben right and what those figures meant to people in mansfield um you know not just those that worked down the pits but you know, the general population as well. So during, uh, or after I decided that I wanted to make Red to Blue, you know, I began to do a lot of research into the history of the area, started to do some preliminary interviews with the people in the film. And, and we sat for hours and hours with each of them and just talked through the history and the politics and stuff like that. So I could really get a sense, as you say, of that emotion and of people's attitudes towards it. I think, you know, in Red to Blue, even though it's a political story, as you say, we really do do hit on an emotional chord, I think, when we start talking about the history and sort of leaving that behind, I suppose, in some ways. When we look towards the future, you know, there is a lot of emotion there still to this day. Um, you know, it's something that when you, when you bring up the pit closures or you bring up Thatcher or you bring up the strikes, um, people still today remember it very vividly. And I'm actually quite proud, really, that, you know, Red to Blue is the first film made about Mansfield in over 50 years. The last film that was made about the town was actually a film called Strike Village in 1971. And the archive footage of Mansfield in its heyday, quote unquote, that we use in the film um, is taken from that film. So there's a really, really strong connection visually between the last film made about the town and this one so when you're watching the film you know you've got these these modern day shots of Mansfield now the marketplace for example which is pretty barren um, I think it's fair to say and then you see this this restored archive footage that we have in the film where it's thriving you know there's so many market stalls you see the pits you know the Clipston colliery um, full with with people leaving work, you know the pubs full, shops and bars and stuff like that. Um, so I think that really resonates with people in Mansfield, you know, to actually be able to see their town and its history put to film is quite an incredible thing, you know. And I think that's why the film is really resonating with people locally. Um, of course, the the politics comes into it as well and makes it a really fascinating political tale. But as you say, I definitely think there's a lot of lot of emotional resonance re resonance there for for viewers yeah absolutely now you this is a an amazing thing as well you've you've actually taken the film to parliament haven't you you've done you had a screening of it uh, at the house of commons is that right yeah yeah so i was invited down um actually spoke to ben bradley um after our, our cinema premiere at broadway cinema in february and said, you know, Ben, is there an interest for a viewing of the film down there? You know, do you think there's much interest with your colleagues who may not be familiar with the town? And he said, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm always getting asked questions about this political shift and what the, the real story was, I suppose. So, yeah, it was a real honour to go down there um, earlier, earlier in the week. We screened it to about 50 cross-party MPs, so people from both sides of the House came down, Labour and Conservative, uh, MPs, parliamentary staff, we had some of the London media come down as well. And of course, to be able to screen the film in the House of Commons, you know, in the halls of government, and sort of educate people, really, I suppose, 
on on this change and why exactly it happened was a really great opportunity. I also uh, got to chat with the Minister for uh, Media and Digital Media, um, which was a really exciting opportunity to be able to talk to her about my plans for the future in Mansfield and also a, a cultural bid that myself and Ben Bradley are going to work on to hopefully get the town some money to bring the arts to life, I suppose, in Mansfield and really rejuvenate our cultural sector here. So, yeah, it was a really incredible and, and very humbling experience for me to be able to go down there. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so where, was it screened actually in the main chamber? Were there are other places where within the... So, there's, yeah, there's over a thousand rooms in the House of Commons. So it wasn't in the actual chamber itself where you see um, Boris and Starmer sort of shouting at each other during... Prime Minister's questions. It was in one of the the side rooms, you know, the committee rooms, um, and they have, you know, as I say, hundreds, thousands of rooms in the in the parliamentary estate. So we screened it there on a big projector sound system, and it looked and sounded uh, amazing. You've got about fifty politicians in attendance. What what's the most interesting response that you heard on the night? Surprising or you know just unexpected on your part? Did anybody say anything where you thought and thought of that? Yeah, they did. So there was two, really. So the film got a lot of laughs, which I wasn't expecting um, because it's not a comedy, right? But I think for people that obviously are heavily involved in politics, you know, they hear, you know, uh, the politicians saying the things that they say and do the things that they do in the film. You know, we do sort of let them go at each other, I suppose, to an extent, and sort of trade jabs and blows in the film. And people were laughing their heads off at some points in the film, you know, which was quite unexpected for me, and I wasn't expecting that reaction. It was more of a vote of desperation. It was more of a cry for help by these communities. It was our chance, the people's chance, to actually say, no, we are here, we have a voice, and this is how we see it. They were asked to make a judgment call, and they flocked to it. We had no Conservative Party really locally. So when the seat came up, I thought, you know what, there was ever going to be a chance, this might be it. We tried our best to make the film in a non-partisan and sort of neutral way, so that whether you vote for the Labour Party or the Conservatives or UKIP or whoever else, you can watch the film and, and, you know, hopefully enjoy it and get something out of it was the idea, because I've always said that the story behind how and why Mansfield changed from red to blue is fascinating enough without the need for me and my team to inject our own political opinions on it, right? If you turn on red to blue and immediately you assume it's conservative propaganda, you're going to switch it off if you're a Labour voter. And same for the other side, you know. So I really wanted to make something which is quite rare these days, which (laughs) genuinely was uh, non-partisan and sort of impartial in the way that it presents things. But also, you know, was edited in a way where it was fun and it was engaging to watch. And as I say, we do let the politicians sort of trade jabs. One of the interesting responses I got from some, uh, one of the governors actually at the London School of Economics who came along was he said, oh, you were so mean to Ben Bradley in that film. I really think, you know, you, you sort of, you went at him. And I sort of, you know, it was an ex- a response that I wasn't expecting because I don't think anybody really gets a bloody nose, to be honest, in Red to Blow. I think everyone gets some jabs thrown at them, but, you know, <laughs> nothing too, too nasty. Um, but I think, again, it's, it's that outside perception where I think he was going into the film assuming that it was 
the story of, you know, Ben Bradley, the, the saviour of Mansfield, who was going to sort of come in <laughs> with, his, with his armour on on a horse and save the town, you know, ride off into the sunset. I think that was what he thought the film was. So obviously watching it and, and seeing that there is really no sacred cows, as it were, in the film um, sort of shocked him a little bit. Yeah, and he, th- he thought we were quite mean to Ben, but, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those responses that, that you get, I suppose, which is informed by, I think, people who just have assumptions going into the film. I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, people have watched the film and they always tell me what's not in the film, right? You always get that response. Oh, well, you didn't include this and you didn't include that. Um, and, you know, I get that quite a lot. And I always have to say to those people, you know, when you go to watch a film in the cinema, you don't leave and say, well, you know, Batman didn't do that, right? Superman didn't do that. Why didn't he do this? Why wasn't that in the film? You just, you take the piece of art in how it's made and what it's presenting, right? And judge it based on that. But I think with something as contentious as politics, you're always going to get those people who sort of wanted to make their own red to blue, you know, I suppose, and, and were a bit upset that you didn't make it in the way that they wanted it to be made. Yeah. But I guess there that means, you know, that you've hit on quite a live subject that's, that's good. So have people been assuming your politics based on, based on just the title of the film? I mean, actually, because as you've said, I think that, um, you know, if people actually watch the film, um, your particular politics aren't, obvious actually at all um but have people been assuming that they know which way you vote because of the film to be honest i've not i've not got it after people have watched the film in fact one of the best responses i got at our premiere that i mentioned um was i sort of went up to ben and said what do you think of it and he said thought it was great and i still don't know who you vote for (laughs) and same goes for the other people who are actually in the film so if they don't know that or haven't got an inkling, then I'm probably doing something right. But I think when people watch the film, as you say, um, you, you get, the, get the sense that we really have tried hard. And by the way, I should mention, it's, this film isn't just me. You know, there's an entire team of creatives that helped me make it, you know, yeah. um, not least of which my editor, Richard Losberg, who played a huge role in keeping the film non-partisan and down the middle. You know, Richard didn't really have... Uh, much interest in politics, to be honest. Um, he's sort of more into the story that we're trying to tell, right, rather than the individual political sides. So he was really able to keep the film straight down the middle, exactly how I wanted to tell it. But yeah, I have I have got some stick over the years, unfortunately. Um, obviously, most people assume that I'm a conservative because the film's called Red to Blue and it tells the story of how Ben was elected in Mansfield. Um, but, you know, that's sort of unfounded, I suppose. I mean, I always find it interesting that people f- would assume that a 23-year-old filmmaker who has a vested interest in the arts, who regularly criticises the government for cutting arts funding in areas like Mansfield and, and similar towns, um, would be uh, putting his career on the line to make a Tory propaganda piece. But, <laughs> you know, that's just the assumptions that you get from some people. So, no, it's very important for me to keep my politics politics to myself and yeah you're always going to get those people I think that want to try and figure out who you vote for but you know that's that's a personal thing at the end of the day and if it doesn't if my personal politics don't affect the film and as you say when you watch it and afterwards you still don't have any idea of who I vote for um then that that can only be a good thing really absolutely now one thing that's not in the film to do the thing that 
everybody does to you apparently in the film is uh, you, I don't think there are any Lib Dems in the film are there? No, I am. Um, I'm quite. I'm quite mean to the Lib Dems to be honest. I don't think they're entire. Uh, they're relevant um, at all in did Mansfield. You know, did you know though that Ed Davey was born in Mansfield? I did know that. Yeah, I did know that. I just think they're. Um, you know, at least in the in the political change of the last five or so years, um, they they play no role at all, you know. Um, and that was something that obviously you look into again when you're doing the research, you know, did the Lib Dems play a role? Well, no, not really. Um, the person who stood in 2015 got a couple of thousand votes, you know, not many at all. Same in 2017 and indeed same in 2019. And, and that Lib Dem vote, um, didn't really play a role in how and why Mansfield changed from red to blue. It was really about sort of the Labour, the Conservatives, and then this this really interesting sort of swath of UKIP voters, most of whom were former Labour voters. Um, so no, you've got me there, Robert. Um, we okay. don't have a Lib Dem in the film. Now, future projects and sort of, are you now, as a result of this, at least for you know the next period, are you a Mansfield filmmaker or are you just a filmmaker who is from Mansfield. No, I'm really dedicated to, to, to continuing to make films in Mansfield. You know, I'm resisting the urge to move down to Nottingham, which is probably the, 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 the move that I should make in all theory, because there's a big filmmaking community down there. Um, but no, I'm, I'm quite dedicated to, to the point that I'm trying to make with Red to Blue. You know, as I mentioned earlier in this interview, it's the first film made about Mansfield in 50 years. And I don't want it to be the last one. So I've got a narrative short film ready to go, all written, ready to be shot. Um, it's just a case of us raising the budget for that. But I'm very committed to making that next film here in Mansfield. And as I mentioned previously, myself and Ben Bradley are currently working on a bid um, to apply for the new round of arts funding that's been announced by the government. There's about £75 million um, pot, and we'd like to have some of that money. Um, because I have several ideas for, for the arts in Mansfield, not least of which being a Mansfield Town Film Festival, which I'd like to set up and run on a yearly or bi-yearly basis um, to bring a bit of culture and a new perspective to people, you know, in Mansfield who may not have seen short films and stuff like that from people who, who aren't from here, I suppose. Um, I really want to invest in the theatre, things like that. And I also am, am very committed to setting up my production company, Sharp Edge Productions here, and us having sort of a base in Mansfield for the foreseeable future. Obviously, eventually, you know, um, I'm probably going to have to make the transition down to London, right? That's where the film industry in the UK is based uh, predominantly. But I am, I am committed to, to trying to raise Mansfield's profile, as I've tried to do with Red to Blue, you know. So for the time being, you stuck with me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, in talking of screenings in in the Mansfield area, you've also uh, you're also screening Red to Blue at Clipston Headstocks, I do believe. Yes, we are. So this is really exciting, isn't it? So, what's happening actually with Clipston Headstocks? As a you know, what what are the current plans for its redevelopment? So Stuart and Julie Mills, who are the new owners of the headstocks, they've, they've bought them. Um, they're now under the private owners of the headstocks. Um, and they're trying to basically get them back up to scratch. And they're now investing a hell of a lot of money into getting them up to work it. Well, not working order, I suppose, but 
getting them safe enough and nice enough, I suppose, that you could maybe have some offices built in there. You could have a cafe, right? There's plans for a climbing wall and stuff like that, potentially. So that's the current plan. So with screening red to blue there, and by the way, I'm really, really excited about this. And I do hope that a lot of people come down to it. Very limited capacity. I've only got 60 seats. And this is really a once in a lifetime chance to see red to blue in the place that was once the beating heart of this community you know and I've been down a couple of weeks now and we've been doing some testing there and we actually watched the film just the other day and to hear it and see it in that place is such a special experience you know so on June 23rd we'll be showing the film uh, doors open at 1pm and we've got tickets on sale now via our Eventbrite page for the for the screening Red to Blue live at the Headstocks. But yeah, they're, they're really trying to develop it. So what we're doing is we're putting all the proceeds from uh, this showing into their little pot, you know, to, to raise some money to help get the place in working order. It's going to be a big job because it is just Stuart and Julie working on it. You know, it's their sort of full time project at the moment. And they're relying heavily on, you know, sort of uh, funding pots and stuff like that to be able to bring the headstocks back to life. But I really support what they're doing, you know, and I'd be quite upset, I think, having made a film where those headstocks are my, my, my main visual metaphor, I suppose, to see them knocked down. So it's really great that at least something is being done with them, you know, rather than them being allowed to fall into disrepair. Yeah, Clipston Headstocks are to Mansfield what kind of Battersea Power Station is to South London, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the reason I always get another, another one of the comments on the film is that uh, technically the Clipston, Clipston Headstocks aren't in Mansfield, and that is correct, um, but they do tower over much of the town, you know, and there are, they are such a striking metaphor um, for the town itself. You know, here was a, a place that was once... Um, a thriving location, right, that breathed life into the town, much like Mansfield was back in the day, right, full of life, full of opportunity in a very wealthy town. Then after it shut, began to fall into, fall into disrepair, much like Mansfield itself, you know, a lack of investment, a lack of activity and movement by the elected politicians in the area. And then now, you know, I mean, you could say that <laughs> alongside Ben's election, someone has now come along and decided to do something with the headstock. So they're a really amazing uh, metaphor, really, that we sort of utilise very heavily in the film as this representation of industry in Mansfield and what it was and what it can be in the future, which is why we actually end our film with the question of what should be done with the clips and headstocks and colliery. Now, bearing in mind, we shot the film back in 2020. Um, obviously, the, the answers vary. But the reason that we end with that question is because although our interviewees are talking about the headstocks, we're really asking them about Mansfield in a sense. You know, we're really talking them, to them about their attitude towards our town and what they think we should do with it, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, a lot of love for the headstocks. And I'm really excited for this special, special screening of Red to Blue there. Yeah, no, it sounds really um a great occasion actually and obviously you've got a lot of plans um for this coming period so if people want to follow you and find you know uh, out about other screenings that you might be announcing as well where's where's the best place to find it you've got you're on twitter 
I'm on Twitter, yep. So you can follow me at JTheFilmGuy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, we also have a Facebook page for my production company, Sharp Edge Productions. And then if you just like to follow updates on Red to Blue, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Red to Blue Documentary, and that's R-E-D-T-B-L-U-E Documentary. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And so if the, uh, the film festival, if that can take um, wing in the future, what's your sort of vision? Where would, where would you show things around? Because I'm you know, very interested in those buildings in the centre of Mansfield that don't have much use at the moment. Um, what could a film festival do to sort of uh, revive? Yeah, so I think you could do a few things with it, really. I mean, personally, I think the old mill building, you know, the old pub, uh, the mill that's that's been shut down for years now in the town centre. Personally, I think someone with a couple of million quid should come along and turn that into an independent art cinema, much like Broadway down in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd happily host a film festival out of there. But my, my plan for the festival, really, it's not necessarily an, a, an economic thing. You know, it's not like it's going to generate hundreds of millions of pounds for the town's economy. Um, it's more to add, uh, so I think, some well-needed culture to the sound. You know, I think there does exist, and indeed it's been sort of proven in my creation of Red to Blue, that there is, there is a bit of small-town mentality in Mansfield, you know, and um, I think people are a bit limited in terms of what they're exposed to in terms of art, you know, whether that be music or film or, or just different culture in general. So I think having a film festival where I'm actually once a year or, as I say, a couple of times a year, able to present Mansfield residents with a plethora of different short films, music videos, art installations, documentaries, whatever it may be, and be able to show that to people to sort of broaden their horizons a little bit and show them what's out there. I think that can only be a valuable addition to the town. You know, um, our only cinema in town, as you well know, is the Odeon, right? A chain cinema. And um, you'll struggle to find a foreign film playing there, right? Um, you'll struggle to find a film that isn't the latest blockbuster of the day. So hopefully, you know, we, ha- we have a Mansfield Town Film Festival. Maybe we actually utilise some of these buildings. Maybe we, we have a day at the Clipston Headstocks. We have a day in a local pub and show some films there. You know, you could really utilise all these different spaces, the theatre, right? All these places in town and sort of make it so that people are really travelling around. So over the years, as we begin to build this film festival up and I continue to make films in Mansfield, um, you know, you're going to be bringing people to the town from further afield in the Midlands and maybe from across the country to come here and experience our film festival and the films that we're making here in Mansfield and Nottinghamshire. So that brings a little bit of money into the local economy. Same with people spending the money in our bars and restaurants, right? So slowly but surely, as you begin to build up this idea of this film festival, which could then expand, really, into an arts festival, right? It doesn't just have to be limited to films, although that's my plan initially. You could really open it up and have it be this celebration of working-class talent, right? And the artists that that are working here in Mansfield and indeed across the post-industrial landscape in Nottinghamshire. Um, so I'm really excited for it, yeah, and I think it'll be it'll be a great addition to the town. So that was Jay Martin. Um, I should clarify, by the way, that the screening of Red to Blue at Clipston Headstocks is on April the 23rd, not June. And um, on the website, uh, it does say, 
Due to the political nature of some of the films shown at the event, we ask that guests do not incite arguments, debates, or make comments during the event. Um, so, and it says, yes, so please remain calm. So, Mum, do you think you are really going to be able to attend this? Um, I don't want you getting into another fight. I might. Yeah. Anyway, for anybody else, they'll be able to pick us out. Mum will be the one wearing the boxing gloves and I'll be in the pram she's pushing. <laughs> and uh, finally, before we go, a source tells me that after the screening of Red to Blue in Parliament the other week, people could be heard singing our theme tune in the Commons Bar. It's a real earworm. You know, I was walking through Piccadilly the other day, Mum, and I heard someone singing it there in the centre of London. Can you imagine? Good heavens above. I can't. Yeah, yeah, that's no, true. It was me. I was singing <laughs> quite loudly. <laughs> People were staring. A police officer came over to stop me as I was upsetting his horse. Was I with you, helping you? Can you not remember? <laughs> no. No. Anyway, <laughs> it's your turn to sing it now. So, oh, right. come on. People are expecting it. Come on. I can't remember it. Mansfield is a town. Mansfield is a town in the Midlands. <laughs> 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 what is it? Come on, man. Mansfield is it? <laughs> 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 what? What Did you like that? Well, it's not in the north, and it's not in the south. In fact, it's bang in the middle. I said, "Hey, youth, Mansfield is a town in North Nottinghamshire." 